Breakfast Show on Faith FM. We are going to have another clue for the quiz, another question for the quiz. The number 666 represents what in the Bible? Ooh, scary <laughs> times. You know the number 666? Spells it, my name, actually. In, in regards to, you know, the, the common representation that people ascribe to it, it's mentioned in other places in the Bible, but it's only in terms of that, like, popular represent, thing that it represents, it's only mentioned in one verse in the whole Bible. Ooh, wow. And a lot of people, like, in terms of pop culture, like, it's very famous, like, 666, kind of this whole thing. But actually, it's it's very, very common. But hey, let's have a look at some text messages. Hang on, I ripped the number and stuff. Oh, okay. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. If you can tell me the number 666 represents what in the Bible? The four, the four-word phrase specifically is what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And by the way, when I said that 666 is, uh, spells my name, you know when you get the dial pad on your phone and like the numbers all have attached... Letters. Oh, because you're M O N. Yeah. Yeah, well, but we kind of like left 2003, so I don't think that's super applicable anymore. Yeah, phones don't have buttons on them. Uh, No, no, like on on your your iPhone. Oh. Like any any dial pad still has it. It does it? Yeah, look. Look at the numbers on your iPhone. Yeah, but do you. Underneath it has the letters. Do you. Every day. I think that's just a throwback, you know. (laughs) I I think that's just a... Lawson! It's just a... You know, I actually... young. I I get really confused. Like, I look at this... You see the app for phone, like, on Mm -hmm. my phone, right? There's this, like, C-shaped looking thing. What even even is that? (laughs) That's a handset. What what is that? Back in the olden (laughs) days, when you make a call, you had to pick the handset up off the top of the phone box thing. What's a phone box? A little little gadget, and then you push the numbers on the front, or you dial the wheelie thing. A wheelie thing? You hold the handset. You can put the handset was big enough that you could stick it in between your ear and your shoulder, and you could just hold it, like, just have it sitting there without your hands. I can do that now with my... Yeah, but you get crooked in your neck, though, because your iPhone's so thin. Ah. Yeah. It's called a rotary dial. It's called a rotary <laughs> dial. Yeah. And we still use the things now, even with our phone number. Our faith, our 1-800-FAITH-FM is those letters. Really? Oh, Lawson, seriously. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> I've just been trolling the whole time. Of course I know what this is. I was born in 1998, not like You're 2018. You're so young! <laughs> That's disgrace. I was in high school in 1998. Oh, we would have been friends then. Okay, um, let's have a I'd look. I would have been your babysitter. <laughs> Actual? Oh, quick babysitting story. We had a babysitter when I was like, I would have been, my little sister was like one and I was like three. Mm. and they didn't clip the pram. We had a double pram, and she was sitting in kind of the cradle part, and I was sitting on the front, and the babysitter didn't clip. Well, it was actually my dad didn't clip the pram together properly, and the pram fell apart, and I fell straight onto oh, my no. face. Whilst, well, that explains so I, Yeah, literally, <laughs> I fell straight onto my face. I snapped my tooth in half, and I like got oh. concussed and knocked myself out like as a, oh, as a baby. And, and the babysitter's like, freaking out like oh no what have i done yeah and took that she took me home and then i remember what happened was i was there like i remember my mum holding me because they called my mom i come home from work my mum's holding me and i'm like super woozy and concussed and my teeth snapped in half i then fell asleep because i was concussed and tired and woozy i fell asleep they took me to the dentist that day put a cap on my tooth brought me home put me to bed and i woke up the next morning 
I just did the whole thing asleep. That would have been like a heaven sent for your parents. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, I didn't realize that you were an older brother. I thought you were the baby of the family. No, I have uh, I have one younger sister and two older sisters. Okay. You give off yeah. strong baby Wow. Baby that's why I'm like the only boy. Yeah, maybe that's it. That's, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I was pretty looked after. Mm-hmm. But it was the worst growing up because I get in trouble for everything. Oh. But now it's the best because my sisters love me and they look yeah. after me and they buy me things mm-hmm. and they cook me food. Like, it's <laughs> the best having sisters. Oh, it's awesome. Hey, let's have a look at some it of the things cool, you guys said. It is pretty cool, but like having sisters, oh. I just... Sorry, because I'm a sister yeah. and I have an older brother and I just sent him an Udi. So, yeah, I guess we, we sisters, I kind of like that. So beneficial, literally, <laughs> yeah. as like from a transactional point of view, like having <laughs> sisters is the best. Uh, but let's have a look at some text messages you guys sent in. The corporate world is so focused on profit, even when they look after, even when they look after their employees, which they should. It is about increasing their productivity, thus their profits. But to many corporations, get away with abusing their employees. Oh, that's so from true. Braden. So he's, hey, he's Braden. Re- really going, really yeah. going after the. Like that was in regards to the the uh, story that you shared earlier mm-hmm, about, about Burger King. Burger King. Uh, the recycled tire path sounds like a good idea, but my question is about the end of the life of these rubbers and do they leach chemicals into the environment during rain and flooding? I think uh, from reading that article, I'm pretty sure they treated it. Yeah, and yeah. I think tires are already treated for that. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's to stay like so that there's. I actually know I know a lot about tires, uh, for you know because th- they used to be a big part <laughs> Such of my a life. Random, brand. but uh, but yeah, I know a lot about tires. I mean, it's like they they treated so that they like specifically don't do that because mm-hmm. if they do do that, like then your you like your tire integrity decreases. Anyways, there you go. Uh, speaking of reusing waste, you can grow mushrooms out of tires. I, I, I swear to goodness, <laughs> who said that in? Brayden. Yeah, it's over between us. Okay, Burger King. Moral of the story: Don't upset the workers. The cheapskate managers cost the company millions of dollars and of bad advertising. True. True. Yeah, because now they've got a bad reputation, and now they have to like bounce back from that. It's going to cost them a packet. Mm. Yeah. True. Rubber tracks, fantastic idea, especially for the older population who love walking daily. Yeah. It could save millions in health costs of the community. It's so true. It actually makes, I was thinking about this before, it actually makes national parks so much more accessible. Because even like thinking about it, people with um, with movement disabilities, like I, try, you know, envisioning getting a wheelchair down a, down a dirt track versus mm. getting it down a track that's covered in like nice smooth tyre rubber. In fact, it'll make it quicker. Like, very it'll much be so. quick and smooth mm-hmm. and awesome. Uh, Jeremy Dixon, fake meats in Asian food stores. Many of them have great varieties of they fake do. meats. And true. That is true. such a hot tip. I honestly like almost exclusively shop at a Korean grocer. Yeah, yeah. They've got it going on. I feel like we're catching up to like the Asian uh, food market in terms of creating uh, meat alternatives. That's right. And it's interesting because it's like, you know, we have Woolies and Coles, which is just one stop all you can get. But yeah. then they don't have a lot of the things that I want. Like literally like an Asian food store, like a, a grocery is so much smaller. They just have everything that I seem to want. Yeah. So I'm chilling. I'm actually steering away from Woolies and Coles these days because I've, I'm beginning to realise I've been going to IGAs because now that I live in a bus and I travel around the country. Because you're rich? No, no, no. <laughs> no, because they have so much more variety. They're smaller, 
but they're like you know, I didn't even realize sort of a lot of the food manufacturers and and you know brands have a whole wider range of their products, but Woolies and Coles only stock like maybe one or two, mm. and it's the same stuff over and over and over again. And I just it's like I've discovered a whole new world of food just by going to a different supermarket. So yeah, going to going to Asian supermarkets or any kind of like ethnic supermarket is is a is a hot tip if you want to spice up your life. Mm. Hey, yeah, in the rest of this text message, it talks about all the things you can get at these, like, fake uh, chicken, fish, prawns, meat substitutes, these kinds of things, like, all fake, so good. Um, Surely today is so much easier to give up meat and replace it with very tasty substitutes. So true. True. True as. Um, Oh, one of those substitutes, Monica, that would be good for you, this is according to the text, is mushrooms. I swear. <laughs> Let alone all the fresh <laughs> veggies that can be used as substitutes for meat. <laughs> Must be... Is this still Brayden? My... No, no, this is Raphael. <laughs> Raphael! <laughs> I'm putting you on the gnawing list. <laughs> I, I really need to get his books. I'm hungry writing this text message. Raphael, you have the ability to get his books. All you I'll have to send do is you a answer book and quiz. clap you over the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Stop, stop the violence. Stop the listener violence. All right, we have a text message here as well. This is in regards to the new story that I shared. Mm. Chemical castration for sex offenders, all for it, especially for habitual sex offenders. Amen. Yep. Those who are in the business of forcing children and women or men into the sex market should be given the death penalty. Millions of people, especially children and women, are forced into it every year to a worse to a life worse than death. Yeah. Even God will penalize them uh, with a two-death sentence if they don't repent. It's true. And, yeah, like, I think this is the interesting thing to me, is that, you know, people make that comparison. New Testament, Old Testament God. Old Testament God, mean, grouchy dude who kills people. New Testament God, loving and, and caring and, and kind and, you know, kind of lets everything slip and go and he's, he's gracious. Love you, Debbie. But... If you look at the end of the Bible, I don't really see that picture. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And the reason that is, is because the New Testament God, who is the God of the Old Testament as well, like, okay, so God was working in the Old Testament in some specific scenarios and situations where he punished specific people. And then we see that less so in the New Testament, and we see that less so in our world today. So we're like, oh, like like Christians somehow come to a conclusion that, oh, God's changed. Like, he's more gracious now before he was more mad and Militant, angry. Yeah. Uh, um, but no, no, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Hebrews 13. And at the very end of time, God destroys everyone who won't repent. Like, if we want to talk about a God that brings consequences upon his people, mm-hmm. I think that's the ultimate one. Yeah, now, absolutely. I'm not saying this to you so that you can be afraid of God. And in fact, this is no. very much the um, the topic we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be looking at Romans 1. Um, but the reality of what sin leads to, like, it leads to destruction. And, yeah. and it's d- d- just destruction it's not, of yourself. It's not God's choice that you be destroyed. Like, it's your own choice that makes That's it, right. It and if point. God, like, the reason God destroys in the end is because that's execution of a judgment which he transparently has to show everyone that, um, you know, he shows everyone at the very end of time, like, okay, this is why you're lost. And then as a result, he's like, okay, so you're lost. Then you have no right to life. But if God didn't destroy you, as a sinner with a limited lifespan, you're just going to die anyway. Well, like, the Bible says that people at the end who are lost ask to be. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like, may the rocks, mountains rocks fall, fall on yeah. us. Like, rocks fall on us. Like, <laughs> you know, that's actually a cool They don't want to live in the glory, in, 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 you know, in God's glory, and they, they've done. That's an interesting thing to reflect on as well when you look at the Garden of Eden story, you know, and people say, oh, God is so harsh because you kicked poor Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden just because they ate some fruit. Let me ask you this question. They are actively running and hiding from God in the place in which he dwells with his people on earth. Do they want to be there? Yeah, no. No way. Like, they're hiding. They're hiding. They want to get away. They, God God doesn't kick him out because he's like, he's not like an angry parent. He's like, get out of my house. In fact, he loves them. He's given his life for them. He's died for them. All he wants for them. In fact, the promise that he gives them when they leave the garden is that I will restore you and mm-hmm. I'll be your God and I'll work in your life, all this stuff. But no, like, God loves them and he's there for them. But, hey, let's pick it up. We were reading Romans chapter 1. We're reading some pretty... Pretty heavy stuff uh, yesterday. Let's pick it up in Romans chapter 1. Do you want to read for us verse 18 to verse, let's see, verse 18 to verse 21? When God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Mm. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Awesome. Okay, so in this particular passage, I see real echoes of, of Genesis taking place. Essentially, we're talking about a context in which it's obvious to people that God exists. And, like, if we reflect, okay, what era was that? I would say around Genesis. Because could it even, like, and and we're going to talk about how this can be applied to future eras, but in its totality, like, is the the Greek born into a Greek family growing up worshipping Greek gods, is he going to recognise and acknowledge who Yahweh is if he's never heard of him? And I would say... Bit of a stretch. Yeah, potentially no. At the same time, there is like, you know, they have their own gods with their own moral standards that they can not live up to and still be condemned. As the Bible will get to in Romans chapter 2, it talks about how, you know, the Gentiles have a law unto themselves. You know, whatever situation that they're in, like you know that murder is a sin and it's wrong. Like, me as a non-Christian knew that was wrong because it's part of Australian law. If I go and murder someone anyway, I, you can't call me ignorant of that sin because I already knew it was a wrong, a bad thing. So for the Gentile, you know, like, yeah, like they, they, they're they going to struggle to to know God, especially if they're in a location that's far away from him where they don't have access or understanding. Um, but at the same time, like, they have a, a law, a moral standard to live up to, which God will judge, God will see. But what we also see here is that these people, uh, and this is what we talked about a lot yesterday, suppressing the truth because of their unrighteousness. And we talked about how that could take place inside the church. Uh, we reflected yesterday on the story of Creflo Dollar, who is a very famous uh, prosperity gospel preacher, who essentially he has done away with the concept of tithe. Now, people were interested by this because it's like, okay, he's a prosperity gospel preacher who asks people for lots of money all the, all the time, and he's doing away with tithe. So is he stopping asking people for, for money? Even though tithe is a biblical principle that we should practice, like, okay, maybe he's 
in, you know, maybe he's sincere, but in the wrong way. Like, what's the deal? No, he's doing away with tithe to tell people to give him more money. Oh, okay. so, so more than tithe, mm-hmm. uh, which is just so scummy, like so terrible. So essentially, like this guy is suppressing the truth of Jesus by standing in the place of Jesus and telling people falsehoods for, 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 for gain. gain. That's right. Yeah. But on the other side, we are talking about a group of people here where it says that they refuse to worship or glorify God in any way. And so we see a different context in terms of people who outright reject him in in both a uh, personal sense, like I would say, you know, what Creflo Dollar is doing is ultimately he's openly accepting God, but personally rejecting him by using his religion for self-gain. But then... These people both personally and openly reject Christ. They openly reject God. They reject him as creator. They reject him as who he is in a time in which it's obvious. And I think of when this took place, you know, think about the Tower of Babel. Think about the the Tower of Babel. Okay. The people have just been flooded. All right. The world has just been flooded. And a very small group of people have survived. And from that small group of people, Noah and his family, they start rebuilding the world. Now, at that time, they lived long lifespans, and the people who lived on the earth lived, you know, for a long time. And so there was many generations existing in in one space. And so you could you could think like if they're they're living for hundreds and hundreds of years, you could potentially have maybe ten generations of people living at the same time. Now, in our world today, I think the maximum you could possibly have is like five. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. like you could have you know if like each person is having a child at like 18, you could have at maximum maybe five generations alive. At this time, you have maybe at least 10 generations alive. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of years worth of generations, at least 10, if not 15, 20, something like that. And so you could have people that were born well after, say, Noah or his sons who could go to Noah and his sons and ask, hey, so how come the world's pretty small? And they're like, well, look around. There was a flood. Hey, look at the ark. There was a flood. Like they, it was clearly obvious to them who God was, what He had done, and what was the consequences of firstly not following Him, but also how loving and merciful He is that He saved Noah. Um, but that yes, He is Creator. All of these things. Now, in that context, where it was easy to know who God is, in that context, what did the people do? Like, as a result of the flood, what did they end up doing? They ended up building a tower to get away from another flood. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But, like, it's to get away from another flood, but specifically to defy God. Mm -hmm. And as a result, then, you know, the Tower of Babel takes place, then all the languages get confused and the people disperse all over the world. Um, Then all those different languages and cultures, having known God, having known what, imagine, like, God has confused all the languages and put, like, that is a supernatural act. But then it's like, okay, I'm now have my own language. I'm dispersed somewhere else in the world. You know, I'm going to come up with my own system of gods who did everything. Even though I know that Yahweh exists, I know that he's flooded the world. I know that he stopped us building the Tower of Babel and that he confused our languages. I'm going to come up with my own gods and deny the God who just did all of those things. In spite of the knowledge they had, in spite of knowing that God's there because they have their own darkness in their own hearts, they reject him. And I think that even goes back to think about Satan himself. Where did Satan sin? In the garden. Oh, 
in heaven, right? In heaven. Yeah. yeah, and then he was cast down to the earth and then, you know, was in the Garden of Eden where he deceived Adam and Eve. Like, where did Satan sin? Heaven. Where did Adam and Eve sin? The Garden of Eden. These people didn't sin as a result of not knowing whether God existed or not. Oh, boy, they knew. But it was the darkness of their own hearts that led them to go against what was obviously true, what was obviously the reality of their situation. There is a God who loves me and who has uh, provided everything for me and who has supplied everything, and I only have being in life because of him. They would reject that because of their own thoughts, their own evil, their own darkness. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And Monica, you are going to bring us another clue for the quiz. The sword in the armour of God represents what? 0491-064-669. What do you mean is that the question? <laughs> the sword in the armour of God represents what? That is the question. If you know the answer, give us a call or a text and we can be in the draw to win the prize tomorrow. Very exciting. Mm. That's right, and our prize this week is Cook 30.2, the amazing cookbook from Jeremy Dixon about how you can make food from scratch within 30 minutes, and then Nine Habits for Healthy Christians. Yum, yum. If you want either of those things, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or, to call or text. Hey, uh, let's get back into our passage here. We've been working our way through... Romans chapter 1, which is actually a portion, this portion, this next portion of the Bible that we're going to read is banned in a lot of areas and countries. Oh, really? From reading out loud. Uh, no, whether no. it be, you know, some states in the United States, in Canada, this is banned. Uh, in the UK, I believe they've attempted to, to ban this. Uh, but yeah, we are going to read from verse, let's see, let's read from verse 22. To verse 26. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshipping the glorious ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. Yeah, was that 26? That was verse 26. Do you want me to go on? Uh, yeah, read 27 as well. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with, relationships with women, burned for lust with each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Yeah, so that section of the Bible is... Thankfully, not banned on Australian radio, but if we were, if we were broadcasting in Canada, we would be fined. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, heavy stuff there. But I want, I want to, to work our way through these verses. Okay, the first thing that it said here is that God abandons these people to their lust and their desires. Now, mm. a lot of people have look at, looked at this and they've said, okay, God abandoning people. And this kind of becomes a foundation of some thinking towards the Bible that's called um, predestination. Essentially, God choosing people to be lost. As, as a, you know, God is just like, well, it's ultimately like God who judges and, 
Yeah, whatnot. But in terms of like God predestining people to be lost and predestining people to be saved, and there's nothing you can do about it. But what caused these people to be abandoned by God, as we read through in the passage? Their own choices, their own decisions. That's right. They they started worshiping idols. Yeah. They were like, okay, we're going to, instead of worshiping the creator, we're going to worship creation. We're going to worship some stuff. And God, as a result of that, they so they cut God out of their lives. God, you know, speaks to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He works in our hearts and lives to help us to be able to to live the life that he's called us to live. If he can't speak to us that way, then we can't live like him. We can't do good things. Like, we're just abandoned to our terrible lusts. Um, and so, therefore, because of their own decision to sin, God is like, oh, well, like abandoning them from the perspective that he can't work in their hearts. He can't work in their minds and in their lives anymore. They've cut themselves off from him. That's what they've done. They've cut themselves off from him. And then like, okay, so they've decided to, to instead of accepting the reality that God is there, that they can see clearly and obviously they decide to pollute their own lives with idols and whatnot, even though they know that they shouldn't even. And, and again, if we reflect on books of the Bible, like Genesis, where it's clear and obvious who God is, and what he has done, yet they've rejected him for the sake of themselves and what they want to do, and their minds become dark and they're abandoned by God. And then, what does that then lead to, according to this passage? What do we then see? Like, okay, they practice sin, God fully abandons them, and they've practiced sin from the perspective that they're rejecting the reality that God exists that's very clear and very open. And then what does that lead them to do? It leads them into unnatural um, desires and basically more sin. That's right. Yeah. Uh, more sin and desires as described as like in this. Shameful. Yeah. Shameful. It's mm-hmm. described as shameful, but specifically like, you know, this verse in particular is bringing up like, you know, homosexual practices as like an example of what that could look like. Now, the reason people don't like this verse is because of the mention of homosexual practice and they're like oh this is hate speech this is this is very evil um this is hating gay people and all of those things it's very unpopular right now that's right yeah that's right um whereas like for a long time previously like it was it was like a crime to, to be gay now people see this kind of thing and they see you know Christians with the disposition of not supporting homosexual relationships. And as a result, they've decided, okay, Christians are hateful people um, because they discriminate against gay people. Um, and the only reason like they, they have that perspective that it's wrong to discriminate gay against gay people is because like homosexuality has become popularized. Uh, whereas previously it was unpopular to support gay people. Um, and you know, there's so many, like, I'm not an expert necessarily in this topic, and there's so many facts and statistics that could be shared about, like, the fact that, you know, homosexuality is a trend that is popular, and therefore more people are getting on the train. Um, particularly, uh, Lyle shared a statistic on the weekend at our Faith FM get-together about how, like, um, trans identification has increased by, you know, over a thousand percent amongst um, young people, particularly like young teenage girls, and has completely replaced bulimia and anorexia as the social contagion of the time. And it's like, okay, why do young girls practice bulimia and anorexia? And it's like, because of a lack of confidence, because of like struggles with self and identifying as trans has like completely replaced that. 
Uh, and many people would see that, oh, well, that's a solution. But is it? This is my question. Is it? I would say, like, obviously, like, this is the, this is the deal. People, like, are mad at Christians because they say that homosexuality is a sin or it's wrong. But there is a lot more than homosexuality that, that we say is a sin. Mm. Even more so than being, like, not for homosexuality. Like, myself personally, personally, something that I see as just as, like, I don't know, quote-unquote condemnable, like, something that is just as harmful is, like, non-monogamy, mm. even in a heterosexual sense. Absolutely. Like, which is also classified as a sin and is incredibly harmful to people. Because this is this is the reality. Like, and, and what he's getting at here is, like... W- what Paul is trying to get at is if you embrace sin in your life, it will lead you down a path that's just further and further from God and further and further from his practices and further and further into harm. You're opening the floodgates to sin, basically. Because the reality is, like, we just have to look at the statistics and say, okay, well, is these lifestyles actually healthy to live? And we can come to a conclusion not even based on religion, but based on statistics themselves. Uh, There was a study done in California where they surveyed 60,000 gay men. And over 50% of those uh, signing the study, uh, participating in the survey, over over 50% of them had had more than 1,000 sexual partners in their life. Whoa. Which is a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, And this is because, like, okay, if you're willing to throw out, like, gender norms within relationships, then you're going to throw out monogamy as well. And and that's very clear. That's what's happened in the the homosexual community. As a result of that, like, the, the, like, HIV and AIDS rate within the gay community is exponentially higher than any other community of people. Like, even, you know, whether it's, like, places where AIDS is a real epidemic, like Africa and whatnot, like because of the lack of, you know, sexual protection and sexual health and that kind of thing. Like within the AIDS, uh, sorry, within the gay community in developed nations, it's like higher. It's way higher than everything else. And that's because like a part of, yeah, the homosexual lifestyle for a lot of these people is also doing away with monogamy. And so just engaging in risky sexual behavior is always going to lead to a higher risk of disease. Now you could say, oh, but like, you know, like straight people also have sex with lots of people and get AIDS. But I'm like, that is also wrong. That is also like both of these things are are just as bad as each other. Now, like I think it is unfair for Christians to just single out one sin and, and push. No, we should single out all sin and say, but also recognize that we are all sinners we all fall short of the glory of God. We all struggle with different things just because, yes, someone is struggling with homosexuality, which here the Bible clearly condemns. The Bible also condemns lying. Like lying is a sin that is, I think, way more prevalent than homosexuality mm. that we all practice and we all need to repent from. And so, yeah, don't get it twisted. Like I'm not here to specifically single out gay people. We're here to single out sin. That's what God is saying. If you reject him, you'll practice sin that you think is good. Like you think you've, you've come to the conclusion in your mind, oh no, this is what reality is. This is who I am. No, it's not who you are. And what proves what's not, it's not who you are is statistics. Like it is killing you Mm. just as much as lying is killing you, just as much as non-monogamy is killing you, just as much as, as adultery and murder is killing you. These things are killing you also. So leave it behind. Like come to God, recognize I have a problem. We all do. We have problems with all kinds of things. Come to God. 
lay it before him. And there are plenty of people that I know who have been healed from homosexuality, tr- you know, transgenderism. Like, I, there's plenty of Christians that I know who have come out of that lifestyle and who don't identify it with it anymore. It is possible. It is possible. And it's like, oh, well, is Christianity any, any better? And the answer is like, yes. Yeah, like, yes, like the, the experience of the Christian life is better than that. How do I know that? Because I used to not be a Christian. I used to not practice monogamy. I used to lie to people all the time. And that I used to live that life. But by experiencing God in my life, like my life has changed dramatically and I would give it up for nothing. For nothing. Amen. So that's 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 two cents. That's some, some some thoughts on these verses. Hey, let let us know what you guys think as well. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call a text. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM. And you guys have been sending in a ton of text messages. I think as a result of yeah, you know, when we talk controversial, we we stir people up. But um, yeah, just got some text messages here. Firstly, just. From Vincent, he says, Amen. In agreement with, with what we were saying. We have one here from Brett that I think is really interesting. He says, God's final judgment of the wicked is merciful to them. They would not want to dwell on it forever, on the, the outcome of the judgment, you know, knowing that they're like lost yeah. um, and being separated from God. They wouldn't want to experience that forever mm-hmm. um, knowing that they, they chose to be away from him. So it's like the, he's talking about the necessity for the wicked to be to be destroyed. It's, it's the humane way. Yeah, yeah. But also at the same time, think about this, because then I think like, because one of my thoughts that I think is really important is I say, okay, a life without God, like if if God removed himself from the actions of humanity entirely, it would lead to destruction. And people would say, oh, no, like, you know, oh, well, you just have more kids and, and look at the world that we live in now. You're going to attribute the fact that we have a world that is living and working today. You're going to attribute that completely to God. And I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to hold my position that a life without God leads to destruction because our world is being destroyed. Mm. Our world is falling apart. Absolutely. And, the, you know, this is something Lyle was talking about, actually, like climate change, like people deny climate change. Climate change is actually a biblical thing. Yeah, human, like hundred percent human made climate change and like God ordained climate change. Like this is Matthew twenty four coming around. Like one hundred percent. Like the world can't last without God sustaining it. And so I'm one hundred percent convinced. Like like we live in a world right now that is separated from God, right? But He's you know given His Son and He's died for His people so that he, they can come back to Him and His work, His Spirit is working in a world that is dying. Like this world is going to destroy itself. And so if you put sinful people anywhere for eternity to continue living in sin and you call that merciful actually it's not because they're just going to die anyway because you just sin equals death the only reason why the world has existed for as long as it's existed and it's gone on for as long as it's gone on is because god is working uh let's have a look at some more text messages here i used to hear the stories like yours lawson and be a bit envious of testimonies you could tell um and i guess he's referencing the fact that i became a christian from the outside of the church but i am glad uh, that god has put me in a place where i have been um, in the church all my life. God knows where we need to be. And 
Totally. I know when I first became a Christian, I was so envious. Like, actually, I was like, man, I wish I grew up in, like, in a Christian family. Like, I have, you know, Christians who are part of, like, beautiful families. Don't get me wrong. I love my family. I love my parents and whatnot. But envious of, oh, man, if I could have just grown up in the church and not had to have gone, gone through. Gone to Pathfinders. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> get all my badges, you know, like stuff. <laughs> my honors and stuff. Um, but honestly, like, God gives us what we need. And I, I think that, yeah, ultimately, we should we should be grateful. And I think that's what Braden's indicating there as well. Mm. Finally. Uh, from Raphael he writes God hates the sin but loves the sinner he asks why would you willingly die when I'm offering you eternal life amazing grace and amazing love totally agree like eternal life under God and his rule is something that we should all want and people reject that it's like why would I want to spend time with a a God who doesn't approve of this or doesn't approve of this and again I I honestly think it's just like you, you just don't realize those things are killing you so true Anyways, right now, it is time for... What? That was awesome. That was so, that was so subversive. Uh, <laughs> hey, read our question for us, Monica. When Jesus comes back, who will see him first? Those who are alive or those raised from the dead? Okay, now this question comes up from a specific passage in 1 Thessalonians where the Bible says, For if we believe that Jesus died, and this is 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 14, it says, For if we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who are asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So the question is, okay, who will see Jesus first, those who are alive or those who are dead? And now that question comes up because it says here, the dead in Christ will rise First, but does that mean they will see Jesus first? Like the dead in Christ will rise first and meet him. And then it says, following the next verse, it says, then we will be caught up. Those who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet God in the air and we'll always be together. So it's the dead. They get resurrected first to meet Jesus in the air and then we will. But does that mean that they see him first? And I want to reference a passage to answer this. I want to reference a passage in Matthew 24, um, 30 and 31 where the Bible says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heavens, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on clouds of heaven with great power and glory. Okay. If people mourn when they see Christ return, are they stoked that he's coming back? No. No, they're sad. (laughs) Okay, so this is the wicked then. So this is the wicked who are alive, seeing Christ return. They mourn because they're like bummed because, wow, God is real. Jesus is real. They didn't accept him. So obviously then the saved who are on the earth would see him as well. And so basic, simple answer. Those who are alive would definitely see him first. But then those who are in the grave will be resurrected to meet him first. And then they then we will follow them. That's the simple timeline that the Bible gives. Um, but right now, we've come to the end of the show. We're going to tell you guys the answers for the quiz today. Okay, Paul escaped uh, from those who were planning to kill him by being lowered over the city wall in a basket. That was answer D. Completely the verse, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Jesus healed Bartimaeus near Jericho. The number 666 represents the mark of the beast, and the sword in the armor of God represents the spirit. Hope you guys got at least one of those right so you can be in the draw for tomorrow. 
Awesome. Guys, thank you for listening to the show this morning. Monica, thank you for joining us and being at the Ray As of ever my pleasure. that you always... <laughs> a ray of mushroom-hating sunshine. That's right. Hey, guys, remember to talk faith, to live faith, and to act faith, and you'll go strong in Jesus Christ. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different.